So today's talk is not really um, going to be highly spiritual. So um, you might want to go in the kids. Or, um, it's, not, it's, not like a, uh, it's not like a biblical exposition of a character in the Bible. Or I'm not even going to use any Bible verses today. Um, but I want to talk about something that's triggered um, some kind of thoughts in me from what we talked about last week. Um, so if you weren't here last week, uh, I'll get the podcast up so you can listen to it. But we talked about um, ego um, and some of the challenges around ego. How do we manage our egos? Uh, ego is basically kind of self-esteem, self-image, self-worth, that kind of stuff. So we need an ego to be able to survive, to have confidence, to, to push ourselves to go and do things. Um, but the reality is we know that too much ego can be a problem because it means we have um, we kind of uh, are sometimes pushing to gain more for ourselves in particular situations um, and we mainly focused last week on talking about how to avoid the subtleties of being led by an inflated ego um, and we can we can imagine what an egotist looks like um, but actually the the challenge of um, the subtleties of an inflated ego, how that might kind of influence you in your actions and your thoughts and your relationships, that can have a big, um, a big impact. And we recognise, I suppose, how we can sometimes fall into the trap of manipulating particular situations uh, for our own gain or to ensure that we win in particular times and particular moments. And the reality is, we can sit there and go, oh, I'm not sure I do that or not, but Let's be honest, our society currently pivots uh, around the concept that you can always get what you want. You can have what you want when you want it. Um, And as a result, we are entitled to have what we want when we want it. And the difficulty we experience in life is when we can't have what we want when we want it, we get frustrated and we find it difficult. So the challenge of ego of feeling like we are entitled or we deserve these things to happen is a real one for all of us. I read a, an extract from an article um, in Forbes uh, online, um, not somewhere that I usually go to read articles, uh, but when I was researching last week, uh, I came across it. And I want to read you, we, we finished off by reading this, and it says this, we all have an ego that's made up of certain beliefs about our personality, talents and abilities. Your ego, while a necessary part of your identity, can be a troublemaker. It, if left unchecked, it can cause you to act out in less than glowing ways. And this was the thing that, this next bit was the bit that I read that has really made me think a lot this week. And she, she gives this example. When one of my coaching clients was passed over for a promotion, she reckoned with a bruised ego. She felt like a failure and in her embarrassment withdrew at work. She stopped speaking in meetings, avoided co-workers and quit taking on new responsibilities. In the end, she only hurt her chances of advancing in the company further. And it was that last bit that really um, challenged me this week. I don't know if you've ever done anything where you've talked about a particular subject. There's a weird thing that often happens. When you stick your neck on the line and say something about, like for me, ego last week, what generally happens in the week after it is you are quite (laughs) vulnerable to being knocked in those kind of ways. And for me, I've done a lot of reflecting this week 
um, because of what we talked about last week and thought a lot about um, ego. And the thing that's really struck me is that the idea that that article just hits on that a bru- the impact of a bruised ego. Last week, we concentrated on how do we stop our ego getting inflated? But this week, I wanted to shift our attention to think, okay, well, actually, how do we begin? Um, how do we begin to, to find ways of coping in life when stuff drags us down and our ego might be bruised or we might be suffering as a result of challenges um, that we've been through? And for me, it was that negative effect on our ego that got me thinking, how do we begin to find a way out of thought patterns that can drag us down? Now, I'm not going to be able to give us an absolute perfect answer. And the reason I said at the start it's not a particularly spiritual one is because I'm not going to kind of wheel out a Bible verse that answers all of the problems. Um, I know we could say, okay, well, it says do not worry in the Bible. Yeah, these things are all important, vital things for us to look to and be inspired by. But I wanted to kind of share a bit of an insight this week around this whole idea of when things are tough, when things are difficult, how do we begin? Um, How can we find a positive when things are difficult and when things are hard? Um, And I came across a podcast this week... um, Simon Sinek, this brilliant social commentator, does a podcast called A Little Bit of, Op- uh, a Bit of Optimism. Um, and he had a, um, a psychologist on his podcast, this, uh, not this week, but recently, um, who was an expert in anxiety. So I clicked on it and um, it was so enlightening and so um, interesting because the way she approached this subject was a way I've never heard anyone else talk about it. Because for me, I don't know about you, if you've experienced uh, that feeling of anxiety, you're anxious about um, things in life or what's going on in in your world or the world, um, it's not a nice feeling. And our natural desire is we need to get rid of anxiety in order to be able to function, in order to be able to, um, to move forward. Uh, and for me, it was it was a, a fascinating listen because as she talked about it, it made me realise that what she said is that this isn't a purely negative thing. When we feel anxious about something, yeah, it's not nice. It doesn't feel good. Uh, it's generally not that great. But she brought out positives in anxiety. And I was like, I've never, I've never heard someone talk so brilliantly about this. And that's what I want to be able to talk to us about today. Because, you know, when we feel anxious, those are the kind of experiences that we uh, can have when we are that person who's described in that Forbes article. When we've been through a knock, uh, we've been through a challenge, we've been through a difficulty, through something that's, that's, um, that's I don't know, tripped us up in life. It, we can end up feeling low, feeling vulnerable, feeling weak. Um, and anxiety and, and, and fear and all of that kind of stuff can come in and play quite a big role. But this is how she um, describes anxiety. She said this, it's a nervous apprehension for the uncertain future. And when you look at it and we look at our lives and what's kind of playing out before us, most of us can probably look at it and go, yeah, there is a lot of uncertainty. And when I sit and think about that, I can find that that nervousness, that apprehension begins to build in me because I can't control what's about to happen. And sometimes fear can kick in um, and, and 
we can end up kind of getting sometimes stuck in cycles of thought and, and ways of thinking about stuff. And she pretty much described anxiety as almost like that precursor to fear. That when you're fearful of something happening, um, the, the, the anxiety can kick in and almost be the, the kind of thing that, that goes before fear. They gave us an example, which I found really helpful. Um, and the example was this. If you're scared and fearful of snakes because you know that the likelihood of being bitten by a snake, um, there is a real kind of chance of that if you were to happen upon a snake somewhere. Um, the reaction that we have, the fear in that moment of seeing a snake, that is fear. That is us being scared in a moment. But what they talked about was anxiety in that scenario is you say, I'm worried about going for a hike because there might be a snake. That's what anxiety looks like. You, you are um, imagining the future and you're imagining the, the challenges or the, the possibilities of your fears becoming a reality. So it's about playing out an uncertain future with that nervous apprehension. You know there's a possibility that something difficult, challenging or scary might happen. So you are um, pre-preparing yourself and you're thinking about that um, just so that um, nothing takes you by surprise. Um, And I suppose the question that we ask ourselves in, in a lot of these times is, well, what if it all goes wrong? What if it all goes wrong? That's the driving question um, in uh, kind of behind anxiety in a lot of situations. And I would say we've all experienced that, haven't we? In different parts of our lives, we've experienced that. And what we probably know from those kind of times of feeling anxious and worried about those kind of things is that we can easily feel overwhelmed. But what this psychologist ends up talking about is there actually is a positive to be found in those experiences, in experiencing that kind of emotion. And it's the same with fear. I remember when the pandemic hit, there was a big kind of spiritual movement to say, we're choosing faith over fear. And I really struggled with it because I looked at it and thought, do you know what? We can can make this kind of positive affirmation and say, I choose faith instead of fear. But I couldn't help but look at it and go, we're in a global pandemic. Fear has a role to play here. And if we don't listen to the voice of fear, we won't be sensible in the things that we're going to do. And that's why I suppose some kind of big, big church movements in America um, decided that they were going to choose faith over fear and carry on meeting regardless of there being lockdown restrictions. And the um, pandemic just kept escalating in those environments. You like fear has a role to play. It stops us doing certain things. So we know that in our lives. We know that fear tells us to not touch a hot surface because we will get burnt. Fear tells us to grab hold of our child's hand when we're next to a busy road because of the possibility of of there being an accident. That's what fear does. It has a role to play. And if we go, oh, I'm just going to have no fear then potentially we wander aimlessly and blindly into situations where we could get damaged or other people could get damaged. So fear, we can understand fear as a role to play. It educates us. Um, But also anxiety can work in a similar way. So listening to our anxiety can mean that if we go back to the the snake and the hike scenario, uh, listening to our anxiety can mean that when we go on a hike, we take a stick with us. 
so that we've got some way of kind of being able to deal with the situation. If you don't want to be that aggressive or brutal, maybe what anxiety does is it means you Google the trail that you're going to go and hike and check whether it's known for snake sightings. And if you find that it is, maybe you could choose a trail that doesn't um, appear to have lots of snakes on it. You see what I'm saying? That, that anxiety can have a role to play where it, it equips you and prepares you for something um, that potentially you're worried about. Um, so they, they can clearly, with those kind of emotions, be negatives. But we've got to understand as well, there can be positives. The other thing they talked about in this podcast, which I found really interesting, is Simon Sinek was talking about how he was watching the Olympics one year and watched loads and loads of different events, all sorts of different kind of athletes um, um, competing in these events. And he said one of the most interesting things for him is the journalists who interviewed the athletes all asked the same question. And the question was, did you feel nervous before the race? Or did you feel nervous before you competed? And he said, every athlete answered exactly the same. They said, no, I felt excited. And it's interesting because what he then picks out is the similarities between feeling nervous and feeling excited. And he talks about, okay, well, so when you're nervous, you might feel that you've got a bit of shortness of breath or your heart rate might quicken slightly. You might have sweaty palms. You might have a sick feeling in the bottom of your stomach. The reality is when we're excited, we can experience exactly those same feelings and sensations, but we are choosing to look at it as a different thing. And now I'm not for one minute saying, guys, it's easy. Let's just flip anxiety on its head and see it as, a, as, a, as an exciting opportunity. No, I'm not saying that at all. But do you know what? Sometimes our, our approach and our mindset in the different situations we find ourselves in can be quite transformative so for an athlete to feel excited about something that actually other people would say I'm feeling exactly the same but I label it as nervousness there's an interesting interesting slant for each person because the athlete if they go into it with the positive mindset probably has got a greater chance of winning that contest because they're going into it looking at it as an opportunity rather than the fight or flight kind of tendency that comes in when we are fearful of something and um, stopping us do, doing it. And it's interesting, isn't it? We, we have these moments of, of, um, of worry and concern um, and we have an opportunity to say, OK, well, I'm going to listen to this, but also I'm going to choose to work out is there any way I can respond positively to try and learn something or educate myself in these kind of challenges and I look back at that that example from the Forbes article that person um, had a bruised ego had a moment where something that they made themselves vulnerable for and pushed themselves to do didn't work out and as a result they got stuck in a negative cycle of of never pushing themselves forward because it hurts so much. And the reality is in any kind of scenario where we're going to make ourselves vulnerable or put ourselves out there, yeah, we might be nervous, we might describe it as excitement, but there is an opportunity for things to, yeah, go disastrously bad or they could go really, really well. And I suppose it's about opening ourselves up to that kind of stuff. So these kind of emotions, uh, fear and anxiety, just as two examples, are a really normal part of life. And I suppose what we want to do 
is we want to avoid um, the feelings of being overwhelmed by fear or consumed by anxiety in different situations because we know that that can become completely debilitating. It can completely cloud our judgment and hinder our ability to, um, to move forward. Um, and as I, hopefully I've made really clear, none of this is easy. But what we do have a chance to do in those moments is not just automatically trigger the fight or flight option, um, but actually look for a positive of how we can respond um, and, and move forward, even in those feelings of fear and anxiety. A current example that we all face is in the cost of living crisis. We've all sat and watched as our, our nation and world in some ways has gradually began to, to become more and more complex and expensive. Um, fuel costs, energy costs, um, the stuff you want to buy in the shops, the things that you subscribe to, everything is increasing in value. And that's why people are striking, because they're sat there going, we can't carry on being paid what we're paid, because as, this, as it's getting more and more expensive to live... We can't afford to do that. So people in previously really stable careers are having to go and get second jobs to be able to just try and afford to not have luxuries, but survive. That's the current crisis that we're all sitting in. It'll affect each of us differently. But you know what? In that moment, it's, it can be scary it can be something that overwhelms us. We can feel trapped in a scenario because some of the decisions we maybe made a few years ago, whether it's the mortgage that we took out or a loan that we took out or, or things that we're committed to aren't going away, but our disposable income is getting more and more squeezed. So in that time, we, have, we, we kind of have an understandable amount of fear and worry and anxiety about those kind of things and many people are living this kind of stuff but you know what we have a choice in that moment to say okay well I'm anxious about this I feel worried about it we can just bury our heads in the sand and feel scared of the uncertainty of the future that apprehension that nervous apprehension about the uncertain future because we don't know where it might go but the positive slant that we can do and I bet many of us have done it is to stop and go, okay, well, let's just stop and think about what's going on in our world. What's going, what's going on in, in our finances, in the way that we're doing stuff? Maybe you start looking at your expenses, you start looking at where you can cut costs, where you can um, get rid of some subscriptions, or you can um, minimise the amount of treats that maybe you have, or, or maybe you're deciding to shop more diligently um, and be a bit more strategic in the way you use your car, or um, the way you kind of make sure you're using your energy better the that is what a positive kind of response to anxiety looks like so we can all do it and we probably all have done it and I suppose the essence of what I wanted to be able to look at today is do you know when I read that thing about ego and and what it can look like for it to have a bruised ego the reality for us is some of us will feel stuck in cycles of thinking and behaviour where we do feel concerned. We do feel a nervous apprehension about an uncertain future. And it could be all sorts of different things. 
And I suppose I wanted to acknowledge today that if we feel stuck in that, that there, there isn't only one way of responding. We don't have to just get stuck in that point of being overwhelmed, that there is an opportunity to, to try and find a positive that could help to pull us out, even in those moments. So the temptation is to say we get rid of fear, we get rid of anxiety. Yeah, we don't want those feelings to be dominant in our lives. But you know what? They can teach us things as well. They can help us. They can almost guide us to the point of being able to come up with a better solution and, and be more aware of how we move forward. So rather than being scared of it and fearful of that as a reality... Let's try and squeeze some kind of positive out of that. And do you know what? The, the, the thing that's important as well in a community like this is sometimes it feels too much for that pressure to be on us as an individual to say, I can't think like that because my mind isn't allowing me to do that. I'm too overwhelmed or I'm too consumed by this. That's where each other comes in to be able to love and care and support each other, to be able to hear what someone's saying, empathise, understand the challenge that they're going through, but maybe offer that kind of positive trajectory forward as well that might help lift that person out. So if you haven't physically got the strength to do it for yourself, my encouragement is, is proactively seek someone to hold your hand and do that with you. And if you're not going through any of this and you're like going, man, I've, I've mastered fear and anxiety, never bothers me. Then what I hope is that you take this and go, I will use this strategy to help someone who is stuck in that. Because um, that's how we begin to make a difference, not only to ourselves, but to the people around us um, and, and to be able to care. So anxiety remains the nervous apprehension of an uncertain future. But what if the future could work out well? They used that job interview example in the Forbes article. And that's a great example in the fact that if you're nervous about a job, um, the fear is that you might crash and burn. It might be a disaster. You might get it wrong and it's humiliating. Um, But you know what? What if you choose to prepare yourself more diligently because you know that they might ask some questions that might trick you up? Um, And what if, as a result, you do really well in that job interview? Um, You could fly. um, And I suppose it's it's being aware enough of yourself to consider um, that it might might not be something that's disastrous. It might actually be an opportunity. Um, And you can be more aware and prepare yourself in that time. So apologies that it wasn't a great spiritual insight today. but I'd felt a little bit of a nudge after last week to think, do you know what, I don't want to just talk about how do, we, um, how do we stop our ego getting too inflated? Do you know what, maybe the challenge for some of us is more how do we pick ourselves up when our ego is bruised or we're, we're struggling to feel like we have much to bring. Um, so let's just pray. Father God, um, thank you for this time together. And I just pray... Um, that as each of us um, leave today, that we would be able to find a moment to, to think uh, and stop and reflect on what, what stuff maybe we're feeling that nervous apprehension about in our lives. What is it that feels uncertain in our future? 
Um, and God, I pray that um, you would come alongside us and you would be with us and so present in our minds and our, our thinking so that we're able to be um, to find peace uh, if we're feeling like that, but also be able to find a positive that can help us to move forward. So God, uh, we need you. Um, and God, I pray that you would um, position great people around us who can um, empathise with us, see us for who we are and um, kind of lovingly support us and care for us as we all just try and keep um, getting on with whatever life throws at us. So be with us, God, uh, and be close. Amen. Cool.